Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that will tell you everything that you really didn't want to know, but probably should, uh, depending on whether you can handle the red pill or not. I'm Kevin Barrett, the dispenser of red pills, along with my friend and colleague, Kat McGuire. Hey, Kat, how are you? Hey, hi, fine. So we're doing an all-urban broadcast this week. Normally, I broadcast from my uh, woods of western Wisconsin, undisclosed location out in the middle of nowhere. But today, I'm broadcasting from Detroit, where I'm attending the Muslim Congress. See, that's me. They, they put an E on the end of my name to make me sound French and sophisticated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, Kat's from New York, as usual, I think. Right, Kat? Yep. I'm broadcasting from New York City, two okay, blocks Detroit. from Times Square. Detroit and New York, the great American historic cities that may have seen better days. Anyway, let's get going with all of the utterly insane, depressing, ridiculous news after our equally insane, ridiculous disclaimers. First, we disclaim questioning everything for some reason. I'm not sure why. I guess we should question that, too. Uh, And we also warn you about how disturbing we are for some reason. Uh, If you haven't figured out how disturbing we are by now, you must be disturbed. And finally... Uh, we always just give you a medical and mental health disclaimer. So if we uh, cure your medical or mental health issues, do not send us any money or we could be arrested for malpractice. All right. Where are we here? Where are our stories this week? Well, here's a theme slide. Uh, yeah, we're, we're selling sunglasses, folks. Here, step right up. Get a nice pair of sunglasses and see what's really out there. Uh, <laughs> they Live, uh, classic science fiction, too real movie that has been accused of White supremacy, of course, but what what hasn't? Okay, moving on. Let, let's go with the stories here, Kat. We have a huge breakthrough story this week. Uh, and once again, we have to turn to RT to actually get a decent report on it. Jeffrey Sachs, chair of the Lancet's Commission on Investigating the Origins of COVID-19, says, yes, it was made in the lab. Now, we all knew that, but the fact that he said it is important. Is it not? Well, yeah, and two years late after many scientists already exposed that COVID is from a bio lab, the wheels of science are finally catching up with the truth. And uh, Jeffrey Sachs um, is even saying it's from a U.S. lab and not the Wuhan lab. He'll probably get getting sacked. warmer, getting warmer. Yeah, Jeffrey Sachs will probably get sacked for even stating that version of the truth. But of course, they have to say it's an accident, the old incompetence excuse. Heaven forbid they say the research was purposeful and that they were creating a gain-of-function weaponized virus on Fauci's watch. Boy, that'll Indeed. get you in prison. <laughs> and, then, and then if you even uh, mention all of the rather abundant, uh, mostly circumstantial evidence, but some smoking gun evidence that this was a deliberate bioattack on Wuhan and Com, uh, probably done by Pompeo and his friends. And there may be more to the story than that, but that's almost certainly part of the story. As Ron Unz has written in his book, which I have promoted incessantly, <laughs> our videos, put, we're heading for 250,000 views now. Uh, then you're really going to get de-Googleized. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Jeffrey Sachs isn't allowed to say anything like that. Exactly. Okay, let, let's uh, let's look at the official news, right? I mean, the, the mainstream American media didn't say much of anything about Jeffrey Sachs telling us that COVID was made in an American lab. You would think that Americans should know that, but whatever. What they did tell us about was they told us about nothing but January 6th, J6, 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 all week, J6. I turned on public radio, J6, J6, J6. And the big news they didn't really cover much was, once again, here on RT, we see that the Senate security chief, uh, Michael Stinger, 
who was right in the thick of the January 6th stuff and who blamed it on professional agitators but didn't specify who they were working for, never testified to the J6 committee, and he never will because he just dropped dead. Kat, um, am I a paranoid person for thinking this is kind of suspicious? Not at all. I think the Biden administration has Soviet envy. They're doing all they can to out Stalin Stalin. And January 6th is a classic communist style show trial, completely complete with the shady death of an important witness. Um, it's like the media and the politicians. And not an important non-witness. They didn't even call him. They yeah, just killed him. Exactly. Right. Um, and it, we've got the media and the politicians. They're like doppelgangers from the 1930s. It's like some kind of 5G time machine hell bent on repeating Bolshevik history on steroids because the besides these show trials, they've got lined up for us a holodormo uh, propaganda that makes Pravda look like little white lies, all manner of lists, blacklist, watch lists, no fly lists, and a U.S. government riddled with the same breed of spies during the 1950s McCarthy era. We're in this weird time warp where the U.S. has become the Soviets and the Russians are now the standard bearer of patriotic traditional values. And the death of this uh, witness is a perfect example of we're in Soviet USA. And we're doing our Pravda and Perestroika not using mimeograph machines, but using the magic of the Internet, which hasn't yet been 100% censored and, uh, God willing, won't be for a while, uh, at least until our broadcast next week. We never know if we're ever going to do another one. Uh, between the nuclear threat and the censorship threat, we have a sort of Damocles hanging over our heads here at False Flag Weekly News, which is why, hey, you guys, you should give to our fundraiser. That's our, uh, our, our advertisement here so we can hopefully do it next week. We never know when we can, and you'll never have another chance to give us another penny, so you better do it while you can. Okay, moving on to more J6 news. Um, Cassidy Hutchison, this former Trump aide, testified about Trump's insane behavior on January 6th. So Trump, he leaves his speech. He's riled everybody up. He gets in the, in the limousine. He tells the Secret Service, take me to the Capitol, and they refuse. He leans over. He he attacks him. He grabs the wheel. He tries to choke the driver. He was rocking out to the cramp song, bend over, baby, and let me drive. Uh, and if the coup had succeeded, he was planning to make that song the new national anthem. Wow. Trump is a maniac, isn't he, Kat? Oh, it's crazy. And this woman's testimony is just so preposterous. She's become the butt of all manner of jokes. Um, there was a hilarious Twitter meme that said six more women have come forward with allegations that Trump tried to grab their steering wheels. And it's just hilarious. Is that, is that a sexual assault if you grab a woman's steering wheel? Exactly. Grab being the operative connecting word here. Um, well, he has but, grabbed things he shouldn't have grabbed. Let's face it. So they say. Um but the press, they're, they're looking for all manner of gravitas in this story that lacks it completely. Um, compared her, we keep hearing bombshell testimony. They compared her to Watergate, where Alexander Butterfield was also a surprise witness who, uh, he revealed the secret White House taping system. But, um, where they got this young woman, they dragooned her into making a fool of herself. Uh, people are saying she's Amber Heard 2.0, and no one's ever going to believe another word she says again, including I do. Well, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't dismiss it necessarily, Kat. I don't, I, I don't know what the truth is. Maybe she's lying and reading a script, or maybe the Secret Service that doesn't want to testify, those people, 
uh, are likewise trying to avoid telling the truth. I mean, Trump could actually, to me, this is kind of a exculpatory because it shows that Trump was extremely upset and emotional. And so anybody who thinks that he was a cold ca- calculating planner of a coup d'etat would have to be out of their mind. If, if he's just a, a angry uh, person, uh, narcissist, we already know he's a, he's an angry narcissist whenever he doesn't get his way. We already knew that. But uh, as far as proving that he was trying to overthrow the government in an insurrection, I don't think this really helps that much. It just condemns condemns him to the insane asylum where he already was anyway. But in the, in the next slide, we have a but similar Kevin, thing. Wait a moment, Kevin. Yeah, okay. This stupid story has been completely debunked just because it didn't reach prime time. Everything she said was just totally debunked. It, it's absurd that we're giving it any well, credence whatsoever. So who testified under oath that, that debunked it? She's under oath. Who, who else testified under oath? Well, bring them in. They'll testify. The, the Secret Service guy has said, no, I didn't say that. There's all manner of stuff. I didn't, I didn't actually in, go through the details because there's just so much of it of them saying that it, it's utter hokum what she's saying. The Secret Service guy, there's, there's somebody else. Gosh, I should have had the details at my fingertips if I was going to believe you actually bought this. Well, no, I, I'm not, I'm not buying it, but I'm not, uh, dismissing it either. But I, typically when people are under oath, they're going to be in trouble if they just make stuff up. So they're lying left and right all the time. But let's let's move on. Okay, yeah, let's let's move to the the next one. Uh, Another uh, claim that Trump was completely out of his mind, uh, supposedly that this claim that he uh, wanted armed protesters to attend his rally because he allegedly said we don't want them screened with our what metal detectors or whatever. They're not coming to shoot me anyway. And uh, some, including uh, our our producer here at No Lies Radio, think, which is not me, by the way, people, please, I am not No Lies Radio. Stop thinking I'm No Lies Radio. Uh, anyway, uh, our producer says that he, he thinks Trump actually thought that there would be an armed insurrection at the Capitol. He wanted lots of people with guns. But I don't think there was any evidence that there were nearly enough people with guns that could have possibly even considered doing anything. And so to me, if this is true, which I don't know if it was or not, uh, that would just be more evidence for uh, Trump's just be acting totally emotionally with no calculating logic. Therefore, he's not guilty of trying to organize a coup. What do you think? Well, what is just so infuriating is that the person who should be on trial is not Donald Trump, but Ray Epps and the fleet of at least 20 known FBI agents or assets who were directly involved with him in this so-called insurrection, just like the agents who supposedly kidnapped Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitner. And they have to keep calling this an insurrection because if it were, um, if they called it what it was, a mere protest, they couldn't use the proceedings for impeachments, which is the real reason for this whole kangaroo court anyway. So you were there, Kat, and I take it you didn't, you weren't carrying uh, heavy artillery? <laughs> I saw none of it. I saw thousands and thousands of absolutely peaceful people, and I have read very credulous documents that the FBI completely um, planned, stoked, and carried out and brought the weapons for this very small um, filmed so-called insurrection um, so that then they could use it. it it's all staged. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest false flag going right now. And yet we're giving this Hutchinson woman some kind of credence of what she's saying and not putting the real people on trial, which is Ray Epps and the other FBI agents who absolutely are, it, it's known that they were there um, instigating this whole thing and leading it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, all of this testimony that you're saying is untrue actually could be true, and there could still be Ray Epps and his friends doing what they did. Like, these are not necessarily mutually exclusive possibilities. And so if the Republicans take back things in the next couple of elections, it looks like they probably will. Uh, we may find out whether these uh, people testifying under oath were lying. And if they were, they could be in really serious trouble. So we'll we'll uh, have to stay tuned and find out the full truth. But in the next slide, we have a story from AmericanGreatness.com, which uh, basically would agree with your position, Kat. And it makes a couple of good points, including the real question is sort of who stood down the National Guard. There were more than a thousand stationed at the D.C. Armory just a few minutes from the Capitol. Somebody stood them down. Who was it? And the top suspects are Pelosi's and McConnell's sergeants at arms who had to call them in. And they were never interviewed by the J6 Commission. Um, and so then there's also, of course, in this story, it mentions the, the Brian uh, Sicknick uh, episode, uh, Jeffrey Rosen who's the you know, Trump's acting attorney general on January 6th, who was on the anti-Trump side, who uh, summoned hundreds of elite FBI agents to Quantico the weekend before January 6th, and who knows what was discussed. And then, as you mentioned, Ray Epps, the suspected uh, provocateur. Uh, the Brian Sicknick, of course, was the cop who allegedly was killed there, but he wasn't. Um, and then there's the mysterious vanishing pipe bomber story. The biggest terror story of the day originally was uh, the pipe bomber. And then suddenly we never heard another word of it. And the commission isn't interested. So there's a lot of uh, obviously a lot of stuff in this whole story that isn't coming out through this commission. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that the commission is telling us isn't true, because all of these things could be true. And Trump could have been very emotional, very angry, doing all these crazy things and obviously not plotting an actual coup. Well, the whole thing is so extremely one-sided, and there are so many erroneous charges and actual facts not being said. They constantly called it an armed insurrection and kept referring to it over and over, and yet nobody carried firearms into the building. How can you have an insurrection, armed or otherwise, if there are no firearms? Um, the FBI refuses to disclose the information about the involvement of these undercover agents. So, you know, we have to know something's up. When the head of the Michigan FBI office that ran the Whitmore kidnapping um, operation was promoted to head the D.C. FBI field office. Now, the D.C. FBI field office is the lead investigatory agency for the 800 political prisoners being charged for this bogus January 6th, quote, insurrection. Um, and one of them is uh, Simone Gold, who uh, just got sentenced to two months in prison. She's head of America's Frontline Doctors. And Brandon Straka of the Walkaway Campaign was highly persecuted. It's all political show trial, and they're going after political prisoners. And it, the, the minor stuff that you're saying could be true is just it's so extremely minor compared to actual treasonous, illegal acts that aren't even being put forth. And we could put all this together and say that certain people in the deep state would have obvious reasons to not want a second Trump term. Some of them you and I might consider actually good reasons and others uh, not good reasons. Uh, ultimately, preserving the American empire uh, and not having this lunatic in charge of it uh, would, in my mind, uh, be a really bad reason. Because I would like to see the American empire retract and stop being an empire 
basically fall. I'd like to see our 800 military bases brought home. I'd like to see the U.S. become a republic. And if it takes having a complete lunatic, uh, sociopathic narcissist in the Oval Office to get that, uh, I'm not sure that would be the worst possible thing. On the other hand, I sure understand why these deep state pros would think that it would be so bad that they would want to make sure that Trump didn't get a second term. So I can see how this could all play out in a way that doesn't really put me on either side. Um, so I, I kind of say, a, you know, a, a pox on both your houses on this thing. But, uh, yeah, those 800, most of those 800 political prisoners, as you say, are obviously not guilty of plotting a coup. They're mostly just protesters who did, uh, as it turned out, unwise things. Um, well, speaking of coups and deep states and so on, how about uh, the latest Ukraine war news, which is usually the latest lie from Zelensky and his neocon masters, the latest lie is that Russia deliberately fired rockets at a Ukraine shopping mall containing more than a thousand civilians, says Zelensky. He, Zelensky says it's impossible to imagine the number of victims. Wow, that must be a lot of victims because I can imagine very large numbers. I can't imagine infinity, but any number less than infinity, I could actually imagine. So this must be almost a number of victims in that shopping mall that's equivalent to the number of subatomic particles in the known universe. And, you know, I think Zelensky must be exaggerating. As it turns out, his chief of staff said that there were two dead and 20 hurt. And if you then look at the moon of Alabama debunking of Zelensky's ridiculous lies here, it turns out that this shopping mall was empty, unused, and next door to it was a sort of warehouse facility full of NATO weapons, which is what the Russian blew up. But because there was an empty shopping mall next to it, it made a really good psyop. Uh, the lies from these neocons uh, on Ukraine are just so far over the top, Cat. I am getting more and more disgusted by the day. Right. It's like we have our own wag the dog with Zelensky gunning for a special Oscar at the next Academy Awards, something like best supporting actor as a mouthpiece in a Western production of a concocted war. Watch them give him uh, Sean Penn's recycled Oscar. Or he'll get a, a gig co-hosting on cable news, which is something all empire loyalists segue into, especially those with war resumes. But what does he care? He's got billions anyway that he's managed to uh, uh, slough off the top. That's true. You know, the, the number that I can't imagine is not the number of the victims in the empty shopping mall. It's the number of dollars in Zelensky's offshore accounts. I don't think my brain goes that high. Uh, well, <laughs> moving on to another Ukraine false flag publicity stunt. Uh, National Public Radio is giving us the official story of the supposed bombing of the theater in, Mer Mer theater in Maripol that originally was claimed to have been all by the Russians and killed 300 to 500 civilians. But if you actually go and look at Patrick Lancaster's footage from shortly after this bombing, where I actually went in there and looked around, uh, he didn't find a single body. Now, there may have been a, a few people killed in there, but it, it wasn't the thousand we first heard. It wasn't the 300 to 500 that we then heard. It wasn't the hundreds. It was a much smaller number, and it's highly doubtful that they were primarily killed by a Russian bomb. There was crossfire, and the uh, Ukro-Nazis were right there, and they may have actually been keeping people locked up in there, and they may have actually intentionally killed them, killed a few, and then claimed the Russians bombed and killed thousands or whatever number Zelensky thinks uh, we can, we're going to swallow. So, so these, these are just shameless war propaganda uh, advertisements that we're being bombarded with. Uh, and uh, again, I'm just getting sick of it. Yeah, it's kind of a perverse form of friendly fire, unfriendly fire from your own people. 
Um, Amnesty is claiming Russia blocked them from entering Mariupol so that they could investigate. Well, I think Russia should block Amnesty and other Western organizations because they're proven to just be looking for ways to further the official mendacious narrative. Amnesty is like Voice of America's propaganda from the old days of Voice of America. Only now the most important audience is not Eastern Europeans, but American citizens. Um, and just the fact that Amnesty is asking the International Criminal Court to investigate Mariupol as a war crime shows their bias. Um, it's, it's following the same playbook when Marilyn Garland traveled to the Ukraine to set up war crime hearings against the Russians. Amnesty is on the same page as Empire. And what's really obnoxious about this is these publicity stunts and, and propaganda advertisements are selling a mendacious narrative. The true narrative is that Russia has moved slowly and deliberately, grinding down the Ukrainian troops and being as careful as it possibly could ever be to avoid damaging infrastructure and civilians. And yet these publicity stunt advertisements are trying to sell this ridiculously false narrative that Russia is deliberately massacring civilians, deliberately blowing up shots. If, you know, if Russia wanted to kill Ukrainian civilians, they could kill almost every single civilian in Ukraine in five minutes, obviously. And they could be taking over these places very quickly by doing what the U.S. always does, which is carpet bombing and not worrying about civilian casualties, taking out all the infrastructure, taking out all the communications, taking out the water, the sewage, just take out everything, shut the place down, walk in and take over in two weeks or a month. That's what the U.S. does. Russia is systematically, carefully grinding away because they're going to own all this after the war. They don't want to hurt it, and they don't want to hurt the people because they're going to own the people. And these are their people. The people in eastern Ukraine are Russian-speaking people who are sick of being genocided by the Zelensky Ukro-Nazi regime. And this, that's what's really going on. And these advertisements are just lying through their teeth at us. And who's doing it? It's the neocons. Next slide, please. Tikkun. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Great, great rant. Very good. The neo, yeah, the neocons are the philosophers of the big lie. Leo Strauss taught them to lie like this. He taught them to put the white hat on your guy, the black hat on the other guy. He loved cowboy, stupid cowboy movies because of that. He used it to teach his puppies, those young students that he sexually molested, uh, how to become liars and psychopaths and rise up high in the government like Wolfowitz and Pearl and the rest of them. And of course, the Newland and the Kagan family who run American Ukraine policy right now uh, and put the big lie philosophy into action. And this is a great article from Tikkun, Rab God bless Rabbi Lerner. You know, I, I know a lot of people don't agree with me on this. I like Rabbi Michael Lerner. He's America's leading liberal left-leaning Jew. And how, and, and he, he's proud that his kid is in the IDF. So I should hate his guts. I don't. He's a nice man. I've talked to him. I've had him on my show. I've had him in my book. And Tycoon sometimes does decent stuff because Lerner is a real honest idealist. He actually has a decent heart. His brain shuts down sometimes. But anyway, uh, this is a great article uh, by Jeffrey Sachs in the uh, in Tycoon. And it just tells the total truth about how it begins. The war in Ukraine is the culmination of a 30-year project of the American neoconservative movement. It's the continuation of Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya. And if we, what he doesn't say is 9-11. He should have said that, and it would have been a perfect article. I wouldn't say it's a perfect article. Um, yes, I agree with everything you said. They really nailed it. They did a great job, but there were some a uh, couple things lacking. Heaven forbid they say the obvious besides 9-11 that neocons are Zionist personified. It never once to, does the unwitting public know that neocons is synonymous with Zionists. So that was certainly missing. 
Um, and also they show their narrow colors um, when they uh, their concern for neocon failures will result in a right wing demagogue coming to power to, as they say, restore America's faded military glory through dangerous escalation. Who could do worse dangerous escalations than the endless damage the neocons have already done? And they assume the demagoguery that would come out of this is a right wing thing. So maybe for Democrats, failed military glory doesn't float their boat, but they're just as much into escalating and warmongering as the Republicans. They're both war parties. So whenever there's a foreign war, they come together and, and cheerlead the war. Um, and you could also see Tikkun's dig that Trump might make a comeback. Um, it telegraphs that they harbor themselves um Trump derangement syndrome, just by mentioning him, oh, Trump will come if they, if the neocons keep this up. So this Trump derangement syndrome constantly referring to him is its own form of demagoguery. So on some level, Tikkun pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, well, it may be up to a point, but, but, uh, the thing, it all starts with, uh, hey, the Biden administration is just overrun with neocons. And, and that's the real point here. So I, I don't think this article is going to convince anybody to run out and support the Democratic establishment. Uh, and, well, he and, didn't uh, say that again, the it's, Biden administration. Really, yeah. But Kevin, he never said the Biden administration is overrun with neocons. He's just said that the neocons are always present, that they are um, um, equal opportunity. But he never he, he starts blaming right wing will come up. Well, we've already got this left wing that's far worse than any right wing stuff we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's for, for coming from a left-wing outlet, it's it's not bad. Let's just agree to okay. I'll give you that. Okay. okay. Well, moving on to something that's pure that we can agree is really good. Uh, how about well, first uh, we have the mainstream article here about Sweden and Finland are going to join NATO because Erdogan got whatever he was blackmailing them for. And then in the next slide, we see the actual good article about this. The mainstream article is, is nonsense as usual or pablum and superficial stuff. But then Caitlin Johnstone gives us the real story. And she points out that Finland's addition will more than double the size of NATO's direct border with Russia, uh, greatly raising the odds of World War III. Um, and she also points out that the, this, this whole situation is so far out of control with Congress funding nukes that the Navy doesn't even want. Uh, and the level of insane militarism here is going to be looked back on in history, if there is a history, as a really close brush with a uh, planet-ending uh, nuclear holocaust. So this is a terrific article. Uh, what do you think about it? I know you're a big Caitlin Johnson fan. No, I'm not. She's actually used to be. Yeah, she semi banned me, but um oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. Um she she's sorta um well whatever, I won't go into her yeah, right she, now. She won't touch nine eleven. Uh, among other things, even COVID. But let's not talk about her. I think this is um, these two stories are really important um, because um, Sweden and Finland have always been the peaceful Scandinavian countries, but that's not really true. Um, Both countries have actually been far more covert allies with NATO than is publicly acknowledged um, with intelligence and with military. The Economist magazine even said Sweden is more NATO than most NATO members. So actually Sweden is all in on this, just been real gung-ho, jingoistic. Um, so they, they haven't been um, necessarily standing by the wayside. It's just now they realize through extortion and bribe, they better get in the mix. Um, but it's, it's just absurd because 
Um, I like how she points out that Russia has clear military superiority. So what we're looking at is this terrible Hobson's choice because the neocons just can't help themselves. They're going to double down. And so what we're going to get is either this a nuclear war, um, which I would like to think even the Masada complex-ridden neocons are not going to opt for, or the more obvious uh, possibility, a long, drawn-out war of attrition against Russia. Um, this has happened before. There's a superb book um, called Prolonging the Agony, how the Anglo-American establishment deliberately extended World War I by three and a half years. So I see the West doing this as well, but they're going to lose through attrition because they've already scraped the bottom of the barrel in terms of manpower and armaments. Um, I, I think um, Russia could withstand a prolonging of the war far more than the West could. Um, and uh, the, the one group that's going to win is the Raytheon Club. They're going to ride high on the hog Dr. Strangelove style for a couple more years until it all implodes. That's right. So the military industrial complex gets rich. But meanwhile, uh, how, how about the actual military forces? Well, Ukraine has lost a huge chunk of its massive NATO trained military force. Uh, Russia still has millions in reserve. And the U.S., well, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, as this story tells us. They, now you don't even need a high school diploma to join the U.S. military. If you can come to 11 without taking off your shoes and if you can look down and see your shoes, they'll take you. Uh, so, hey, we're 60 percent away from the Army's goal with three months left. Uh, the, the Navy is now using children's videos to train sailors on gender pronouns. The U.S. military doesn't look to me like it's in any shape to defeat Russia. What do you think, Kat? Well, they're being groomed to be um, anti-American. With less critical thinking, they're going to be more willing to comply with woke standards and arbitrary demands like uh, the vaccine mandates. I think we need to remember the Posse Comitas Act of 1878 that limited the federal government's powers to use military against its own people. And what's happening now is these totalitarian rulers are doing a controlled demolition of our country. And we, the people, can assume Posse Comitas uh, is going to be violated. So in researching this story, I learned something called state guards. A state guard is not like each state's national guard. Um, although it's also by state, it's instead a separate military defense force that answers only to the state government with the state governor as the commander. So our country is in great peril now. And as we fight in the courts for states' rights and sovereign citizens' rights, I think we should consider reactivating this thing called state guards. That sounds like an idea. I, I don't know of any state guards myself. Uh, are there actually any um, any such units in existence or is it just a, a concept? I, I think it's a concept that I think once existed that should and could be um, um, reactivated. State That's an interesting, guards. Interesting yeah. point. OK, well, maybe our, our viewers can look into that. And who knows, maybe there will be some in the near future as some of the states start getting more and more fed up with Washington. Well, let's, let's move on to some uh, uh, our shame category. Shame on Noam Chomsky to begin with for uh, claiming that uh, Russia is losing and uh, their invasion of Ukraine is utterly indefensible and Russia is a total paper tiger. And in fact, the real military analysts, uh, people like uh, Scott Ritter, and others with actual military experience have noticed that this is all just total nonsense. It's, Chomsky seems to offer the gatekeeping propaganda for people who see a little bit more of the truth than the mainstream will tell you, but then he draws an even 
tougher line, a stronger line, and keeps you in that uh, mainstream, in that quasi-mainstream pen. You don't see the full reality. He certainly did that with 9-11, didn't he? Well, he's just crazy now. I mean, opinion is one thing. Okay. We may disagree, but to completely not know what's going on, that Putin is wiping the floor with Ukraine. I expect TV anchors to parrot the master narrative, but not supposedly radical intellectuals. Um, his analysis is on par with his call last year to isolate the unvaccinated. Um, the guy's 93. When are they going to wheel him out for the Today Show? And uh, not to malign seniors, but our fellow co-host, um, Helen Bynisky, she called him a moldy potato. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, some seniors still have uh, some brain cells firing. I'm not sure if Chomsky does, but, you know, I just spent a few days with uh, Gordon Duff, who I, I will now quickly just announce that he's been absent and sort of out of action or slowed down a lot because he had a really crazy motorcycle accident in which he went flying Head first at 40 miles an hour through the passenger window of the car that hit him. Um, at 40 miles an hour head first through a window, a car window like that would, would kill most people and certainly most people his age. Gordon, if you saw his physique, he's got these neck muscles and shoulders. So somehow, and, and he has a pretty thick skull, I guess. He wasn't wearing a helmet, but he doesn't need one. In fact, he needs, his skull could probably protect it. Anyway, long story short, Gordon, uh, despite his concussion, uh, is still, I think, sharper probably than Chomsky ever was, and certainly far more realistic in terms of the military analysis. And maybe I'll get into that on a radio show one of these days. But anyway, the heck with Chomsky. Let's uh, move on to more shame, the shame parade. I mean, the pride parade. Millions turned out. Why? And this Yahoo News story tells us uh, that the Supreme Court overturning of Roe v. Wade is devastating to the LGBTQ people because they uh, do undergo unintended or problematic pregnancies and therefore seek abortion. And I read that sentence and I scratched my head and I said, hmm, do, am I, have I learned the wrong facts about biology? Anyway, uh, what do you think about this story, Kat? You're there in New York, millions out there in the LGBTQ people are freaking out because they might lose their abortion rights? What, what's going on? Well, half of them took the bioweapon are sterile anyway, so what do they care about abortions? But um, in terms of the, the pride festivities this year, um, I live in New York City, and I've been to many a pride parade over the 30-plus years I've lived in New York. This year, they were an order of magnitude like I've never seen. Instead of black power, it was pure woke power. So um, first, just a little bit of background. New York City is the home of the Stonewall Riots, which started the whole gay rights movement in 1969. And um, this parade, as uh, Kevin said, came right after the Roe v. Wade decision. So we constantly heard the scriptive talking point of, quote, a sense of urgency. And guess who kicked off the parade? Planned Parenthood. That's never happened. And also there was so much more emotion and excitement because it's the first in-person gay pride parade in New York in three years. And the weather was incredibly beautiful the whole weekend. So it was a perfect storm for crowds. But the enormous numbers that we saw, in my opinion, could only have come from saturation propaganda. There were may, way more people than I have ever seen participate who clearly didn't have a gay gene in their body. It was like all these straight people got that meme that says, I believe the next thing. It could have been clapping at 7 p.m. every evening during COVID lockups or flying the Ukrainian fags. I've, I've just never seen so many ways people could be adorned with the official rainbow colors, as well as marketed by restaurants. 
banks, theaters, offices, you name it. There were flags, banners, and all manner of signage flying the colors. The only thing vying with the rainbow logo were all the corporate logos, virtue signaling on steroids as if by fiat. Everyone had to display the rainbow. It reminded me of 9-11 in New York, um, that time period when all the Arab taxi cabs and halal carts flew the American flag. You almost wonder if the businesses were in full agreement or they just didn't want to get canceled. It was a form of protection from the racket. But um, sensing their power, there I saw a greater boldness to flaunt degeneracy as if it's the official gay DNA uh, um, element. Um, there was more nudity than I've ever seen. I think we might have another um, flag or another uh, uh, slide here illustrating something like that. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, more nudity than I've ever seen and more open sexualizing in public. And of course, the trans Spread, worship. Spreading monkeypox. Uh, well, that too. Um, and then the trans worship was all out of proportion. It felt like Weimaring of America. The woke identity politics was really showing who holds power now. The whole city felt occupied by a form of gay nationalism um, as they did their own kind of queer version of goose stepping down Fifth Avenue with a constant sub message that if you are not inclusive, well, then you're a hater. It's like some form of new anti-patriotism. Bottom line, the gay pride festivities this year were like a cultural Marxist wet dream straight out of the Frankfurt School. But remember, of the seven deadly sins, pride is traditionally considered the most evil of them all. Okay, well, they, they, these people are probably racking up a number of deadly sins. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, murder and lying are on the deadly sin list, and they're the two favorites of the neocons, I think. If we move on to Paris, uh, the news in terms of mass murder and lying, concern the conviction of Salah Abdeslam. Uh, he's been sentenced to jail for life for supposedly being the only survivor of the attackers of November 13th, uh, 2015. And that's the false flag, of course, that followed the Charlie Hebdo false flag of the previous January. And I actually flew out of Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris just like an hour or something before this began. So I saw the news coverage after, you know, I was waiting for my baggage in Chicago and uh, scratched my head and wondered if I was going to be a suspect because I, you know, I flew in from Morocco <laughs> and spent the night in Paris uh, and then flew out just in time. The train went right by the Stade de France where this all started uh, as I was going to De Gaulle airport. And that in just an hour or two later at De Gaulle airport, Boom, somebody sets off a, 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 a noise grenade or something out in the parking lot. So this was this whole thing was highly dubious, obviously choreographed by intelligence services. Now, this trial tells us that uh, there were what? What is it like uh, 13 people or something convicted and uh, 19, sus no, 19 suspects convicted of logistical support. This one guy convicted of participating in it. And another, however many it was, dead, a long list of dead. So the total number that the authorities say were involved in this, that they've gotten, were like in the 30s or 40s at least. Are you really telling me that that many people uh, are all going to be able to pull this off, you know, from inside Paris Islamic communities? They're riddled, riddled with spies. Uh, it's ridiculous. Obviously, just like that's a whole, you know, everything blamed on Al-Qaeda or ISIS, this is the Western intelligence operation and the excruciating details proving that are in my book, as we see in the next slide, the two of them, We Are Not Charlie Hebdo, 
and then another French false flag. The We Are Not Charlie Hebdo book, people can read free online, and the you can find the URL by going to uh, uns.com and just feed in We Are Not Charlie Hebdo. Uh, so, so Kat, uh, another uh, great uh, travesty of justice around another classic false flag terrorist night. Yeah, I wish we had put up for people um, an opposing article that could counter the um, extreme level of distortion that we see here. Um, I appreciate your books, but an article um, would have been helpful. Yeah, well, if I had time, I would have written. I was I was driving and, and vi- traveling all week. I was very busy this week. So sorry, folks, I'm a little slow on my broadcasting and writing this week. OK, moving on from Paris Back to, uh, I guess, the center of the known universe, what would that be, D.C. or wherever Biden happens to be right now? Looks like the 7 which is kind of in the U.K., uh, the exclusive private club, is desperately trying to count China's Belt and Road Initiative by coughing up a pathetic sum for global infrastructure. And, of course, they're basically overshadowed now by the G20, which is all of the most important countries of the world, the emerging world, uh, 85% of Global GDP, three-fifths of the world population includes Russia, Brazil, China, India, Mexico, South Africa. None of the G20 countries accept the sanctions on Russia. So the pathetic little G7 is trying to preserve its control of the world by putting out this kind of plan. Those 200 billion dollars are, are worth less every day. The whole proposal is utterly ludicrous. Where is all this money coming from? Presumably, they're just going to print it out of thin air again. And even if they did, why would we give it to other countries when the American people are desperately struggling to stay afloat? Um, It's all a pipe dream, which um, to me says Joe Biden's been smoking his son's crack pipe. Indeed. Well, here in Detroit, it looks like we could use a little better infrastructure. I don't know why we have to send it off uh, that far away. Let the Chinese do that. If the Chinese want to build infrastructure for the world, go for it. In fact, maybe we should give the Chinese Detroit because they could. there are definitely some improvements we could make here. Uh, so moving on to uh, another crazy uh, big money scheme, uh, Aladdin, BlackRock's operating system, which does investment, position keeping, record keeping and control is the most powerful political force in the world. And they're naming it Aladdin after the jinn in the Thousand and One Nights story, with the jinn being these, well, some of them are demonic or shaitani, and they're the ones that the uh, leaders of our world interact with. Uh, so they're basically admitting that they're Satanists collaborating with evil jinn to rule the world, and they're naming their computer program that's going to rule the world after the evil jinn, or at least referencing it. So uh, somehow this all looks kind of suspicious to me. What do you think, Kat? It's high, it's beyond suspicious. It's, it's, um, um, alarming, uh, extremely alarming to BlackRock is at the center of my focus for this whole new world order. And they own this Aladdin, one of the most powerful computer systems in the world, in the all important fintech world, financial technology, fintech, they call it. Aladdin is directly or indirectly responsible for more than four times the value of all the money in the world. And Aladdin is set to become even more powerful because BlackRock recently announced that it's building a new laboratory to further develop AI technology. So Aladdin is not only sprawlingly humongous, but now add an AI gene into it. Oh, my God. Um, and just BlackRock alone, it's the largest 
manager of financial assets in the world today. It has controlling interest in almost every nation and corporation with unparalleled, unprecedented hegemonic power. BlackRock essentially single-handedly forced the worldwide lockdowns. And its CEO, Larry Fink, sits prominently on the World Economic Forum Board of Trustees. So you'd have to be naive not to see BlackRock's hand deeply controlling the global economic coup d'etat. A key takeaway is that BlackRock and Aladdin um, are not owned by Rockefellers or the Chinese. The demographic that ultimately owns this powerful society-altering company has an agenda, and it's not necessarily friendly to all of us. Okay, well, fortunately, Kat, the good guys are mapping out where people like uh, Larry Fink and all these other uh, dubious characters live. Wait a minute. Well, we wish they were. Unfortunately, what's really happening is there's this mapping project, uh, which is supposedly mapping Zionists, uh, and the Jewish groups now are freaking out about it. And this mapping project, which had to move to an Icelandic server because it got chased off of GoDaddy, uh, is supposedly singling out scores of Zionist leaders in Jewish communal organizations. But it turns out that rather than going after the real people that you would want to be able to map, like uh, like Fink and the other people who rule the world, it looks like they're just putting every random Jewish organization they can find, uh, just totally random, uh, and blaming them for, quote-unquote, Zionism. Okay. Uh, health, harm, what? And ableism? WTF? What's going on? This napping project is obviously a false flag. This is the people like Larry Fink are actually behind this. They want everybody to map out the random low-level Jewish organizations and get everybody hysterical about anti-Semitism so they can continue to get away with what they continue to get away with. I don't think it's a false flag setup at all. I think it's a really good project. And to answer the question, how worried should Jews be? I think they should be very worried because I believe the mapping project is legitimate and that it goes beyond showcasing Zionism. That was supposedly all the connections. I think, in essence, it showcases Jewish power, and the gig is up, the tables are turned. So taking a cue from the SPLC's notorious hate map, Um, This anonymous BDS uh, group of activists have mapped the influence, power, and control Zionist group have in the Boston area, and the results are astonishing. They're trying to say that it was poorly done. Maybe they're their first time out, perhaps, but I think it was brilliant because not only does the mapping project reveal the synergistic power of extreme connectedness, but the research approach is a promising tool for activists everywhere. Boston is comparatively minor when it comes to Jewish networks, and yet look at the complexity of these interlocking um, um, realms of control. Um, Imagine the insights that would come if uh, we started mapping cities um, that really do have major Jewish power centers. Boston doesn't necessarily, or mapping on a global scale. There's a project for Aladdin. Um, But one of the primary learnings from this, and this is one reason why I don't think it's a false flag at all, is it exposes the level of connections that bind local police forces with Israel and how also deeply enmeshed Israel is within a multitude of U.S. organizations. And for the Jewish groups to sick the FBI on these mapping projects for supposedly doing terrorism, no one's being doxxed. The information is publicly available. All the activists did is connect the dots. By contrast, ADL actually has a long history of full 
straight up spying on organizations. Bottom line, it's fine for Jews, Jewish organizations to analyze and track all manner of information from other groups, but heaven forbid the veil of Jewish power is lifted for all to see. Well, we'll, we'll have to maybe agree to disagree, or at least I'll, I'll try to stick with this and see if they Im- improve it. Uh, I, I don't think that every low-level Jewish organization is really a power center. I mean, I used to live in a vehicle in San Francisco and shower and play racquetball at the Jewish Community Center in a pretty tony section of San Francisco. And I don't know if that community center was really that much of a center of Jewish power. I want to know where, where Fink lives. I don't really want to know where you can play racquetball and take a shower. But uh, we'll, we'll get back to this issue later when we know but more about Kevin- this. I didn't have time to really look into it. Think is at the very top of the pyramid. When you look at the whole supporting structure, that's what allows Fink to keep going because there's this um, interlocking support of the, those at the very power just by their mere existence and their um, affiliation and identity approaching. Well, uh, maybe, maybe, but you know, not everybody who who lives in a 50, 1955 Chevy school bus on the street and showers at the Jewish Community Center is necessarily on. Uh, close terms and, you know, on Larry Fink's Rolodex. But, uh, moving on to the not, not, no, this is not the Nazi story. This is the, oh, this is the, the Zio Nazi story. Deborah Lipstadt, uh, has visited Saudi Arabia as the anti-Semitism envoy, which is a position that's now been elevated to the rank of ambassador as of 2021. So she has an ambassadorial rank as the roving anti-Semitism envoy. And apparently she went to Saudi Arabia to try to expose the Saudis uh, 4 million dead in their Holocaust in Yemen. Well, the real number is probably approaching 400,000, which is bad enough. But uh, Deborah apparently likes to add zeros to numbers. She's actually responsible for making me a quote-unquote Holocaust denier. Because when I read her attempt to refute the so-called Holocaust deniers, a.k.a. the revisionists, it was so lame that uh, it blew my mind. Uh, she, she's a complete fool. That woman has is is a joke. How is she? Could she be even teaching grade school, much less being a supposed professor? Uh, but anyway, there she is, roaming the world and scolding the Saudis, making them telling them to be nice to Jews, but we don't care if you kill Yemenis. Uh, she's she's just uh, it, it's a complete joke that somebody like this has such a prominent position. I think her real goal in going, her sub goal, is to. Uh demand a Holocaust museum be put in Mecca. Ah, there you go. And have everybody uh, cir- circumambulated and so on. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, well, more more uh, anti-Semitism news. A uh, 101-year-old Nazi guard has been convicted. His name is Joseph S. And it's spelled J-O-S-E-F. Just like Joseph K. in Kafka's The Trial. So the story, the moral of the story is that any 101 year old guy could be plucked off the streets and charged with participating in this Holocaust. And, you know, so people bow down and worship Jewish power because if you don't, you know, when you're 101 years old, they might actually catch up with you and you'll find yourself in Kafka's trial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to throw in one piece of good news, though, related to this, which is that Alfred Schaefer has been released. Uh, Monica Schaefer's brother, our favorite, uh, my, my, my favorite uh, neo-Nazi Holocaust denier, Alfred. Um, and that just because I call him that doesn't mean I agree and or disagree with anything or everything he says. But he's a free speech prisoner. And he was. And now he's free. Shout out to Alfred Schaefer, free speech hero, even though I don't necessarily agree with you. Uh, spending years and years in prison for your views is kind of ridiculous. So some good news and some bad news out of Germany. 
That's great to hear. Um, but also, as we know, the children and grandchildren of the so-called Holocaust survivors are getting reparations. So don't be surprised if they start prosecuting the children and grandchildren of deceased Nazi concentration guards. Yeah, you know, this guard uh, was at the Sandhausen camp uh, or the Sa- Sachsenhausen camp that it's very, it's, it's really, well, the, the official story now, as far as I can make it out, is that there weren't any mass extermination camps in Germany. This was in Germany. It officially wasn't a mass extermination camp, except when you write it up and then you call it a mass extermination camp in the media. But the experts, I think, say it wasn't. It's all very confusing. Uh, the official story is there were no gas chambers in Germany, and yet now we're being told in the media that this, this one did have gas chambers. They, it's just a big mythology where they just there's no consistency in the historiography of these events all they want to do is is propagandize us and that's what they're doing with this nonsense anyway uh let's move on to more media distortions here's another huge media distortion thanks to matt taibbi which is the black second amendment advocates are marching all over the place sometimes even march with like the the white so-called extremists and the, the boogaloo boy uh, Elmer Geronimo Pratt, Pistol and Rifle Gun Club, named after the, the great Black Panther. Their motto is guns up, shoot back. It's hands up, don't shoot. And this Black Second Amendment movement is totally erased from the mainstream media. Why is that? Well, um, yeah, it would ruin their uh, gun control narrative. So far, the puppets, uh, the puppet wing of BLM and Antifa have only been armed with pellet-laden bricks. I guess the feds don't trust them enough to give them weapons. But to me, this is a very important angle that blacks and whites um, coming together for the Second Amendment. Not that it's rife everywhere, but it reminds me of um, two things from history. Um, One is in the 80s um, in California when labor and environmental activist Judy Berry brought together loggers and tree huggers, um, who are traditional enemies, brought them together to save the redwoods. Um, but the FBI detonated a bomb under her car seat and almost killed her. So that doesn't bode well for these radical alliances. And then um, we know that um, Fred Hampton, um, as a Black Panther um, activist, um, included Latinos, the Young Lords, and whites in a united movement. And, um, of course, we know that the FBI is part of uh, what? Yeah, it sealed his fate. The FBI kicked right. his door the FBI and murdered him is and part of as part of a COINTELPRO assassinated him, correct? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, it does not bode well for people uh, to come together in really truthful, radical ways. Okay. Well, speaking of radical ways of coming together, how about the Libertarian Party? Uh, another freedom movement, along with the Black Gun, uh, gun Movement. Here, the Mises Caucus has taken control of the Libertarian Party. And who are the Mises Caucus? Some say it's the new version of the Ron Paul movement. Only uh, Ron Paul was kind and gentle and, and sort of almost quasi-woke in certain respects. And these guys are on the opposite side. Uh, they're Joe Rogan fans. They're edgy. They're troublemakers. They're, they're kind of like you, Kat. Uh, and they're, they're totally on the COVID liberty side of things. Uh, and they're going to push Dave Smith for president. So you were saying this is good news and you like this new triumphant wing of the libertarians. Um, yeah, I think they are getting a lot of hits and smears as being right wing and racist. But I consider this takeover by the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party. Uh, they had a national convention in May in Reno. And I think it's a very important development in electoral politics because they're not like uh, they're committed patriots 
who have managed after several years to get rid of the party's beltway libertarians. And the goal of the takeover is to return the libertarian party to its true roots, which is Ron Paul style sovereignty and liberty. I love their platform. The Mises Caucus platform opposes war, the Federal Reserve, mass mandates, lockdowns, COVID vaccines, ID passports, bailouts, gun control, censorship, and woke identity politics, basically everything New World Order. And they are running a lot of local candidates, including a presidential candidate. Um, so I think the fact that they're being smeared is your dog whistle right there. I think everyone should check them out. It's a revitalized libertarian party who, uh, to me, seem to be standing for everything I'm doing right now. I think it has the potential to be a true alternative party for um, truth and freedom activists. And, and there is that question mark around the Mises economics in terms of a world that's getting more and more unequal. But we'll argue about that later because most of the stuff you mentioned sounds good to me, too. So moving on to the foreigners voting in New York. The Supreme Court in New York says that uh, foreign nationals with green cards, visas, and work permits, all 800,000 of them, can no longer vote in New York. Is that good news or bad news? I think it's really important because it impedes the New World Order's mission creep to undermine what it means to be a citizen. I can just see their next attempt is going to be to let anyone vote. Undermining citizenship is a breakdown of the nation state, and it brings us closer to totalitarianism. So I'm very much in support of uh, what happened. I think it's an excellent um, um, prediction, hopefully, of we can use the courts in the electoral system. I have so little faith, but um, little by little, things are brightening with hope. Great. Well, this is the New York Supreme Court, and we have some more court decisions to talk about. Uh, a bunch of basically good ones. Gislin Maxwell sentenced to 20 years, and this story in the Miami Herald, which has broken a lot of the, the news about her and Jeffrey Epstein, is, they do a great job of covering this right up to a certain point, but there's no mention of Israel uh, spying political blackmail, Clinton, Trump, etc., etc. So they've airbrushed all of that part out, but other than that, all the details seem okay, and she doesn't seem that upset to be going to prison for 20 years uh, is she going to be found hanged and it'll turn out that it's a doppelganger and she'll be living with Jeffrey and in, in uh, witness protection in Tel Aviv or what's up with that? Well, she's trying to get transferred to the UK to carry out her sentence. But um, people were upset with her because um, she didn't show sufficient um, sufficiently that she was taking responsibility. She said she's sorry for the pain, but. Uh, no, look what I did. She didn't say that. But I think um, she's she's a scapegoat. Not a single person, um, as you said, um, who was on Epstein Island got um, arrested. And Alan Dirkowitz made the cockeyed self-serving statement that, quote, nobody had a clue Epstein and Maxwell were sex abusers. But what's really bad is that the judge sealed the record of all those who patronized Epstein. So we're never going to get to know. And um, it, it, she's off the hook, really, for the, the real uh, damning evidence of who was involved, the Johns. That's right. And, of course, she comes from a notorious uh, Israeli spy family, and that's all been totally covered up by the mainstream media. Well, moving on to more good court decisions, uh, the prayers of religious people, religious advocates uh, were answered, and the good team won. Now you can pray if you're a football coach. Uh, well, alhamdulillah, uh, Allahu Akbar. What do you think, Ed? I think this um, was um, a really great victory for religious expression in public edu education. Um, and um, I'd like to um, e extrapolate on it. James Lindsay is one of the foremost experts on critical theory 
um, like CRT. And he claims it is a faith-based belief system because there's zero science behind it. So I say we need to have woke identity politics subjected to the same call in our schools for separation of church and state. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, sister, uh, absolutely. With telling us that, that progressivist, secular, uh, humanist materialism isn't a religion uh, with all this woke, the woke rituals and everything. Come on. It's a state religion. And some of us actually have different religious views. And our religious liberty is what's under threat, I think, more than theirs is. Anyway, uh, another interesting court decision, uh, and a good one, that the EPA decision that glyphosate in Roundup is safe for humans and wildlife turns out to be not true, obviously not true, but now the court has actually uh, voiced that opinion. So more good news from the court. This is unusual, like four good news stories from court decisions. What's going on, Kat? Am I, am I still dreaming? No, uh, there is the possibility that we can go after these uh, agencies. Bobby Kennedy calls them captured regulatory agencies. Unfortunately, from my perspective, there don't seem to be there doesn't seem to be much teeth in the appellate decision. All it says is that the EPA has to reassess the dangers of glyphosate and the health and the environment. Um, Roundup is the most widely used pesticide in the world, and it's still on the market. How can a, an EPA reassessment actually get rid of it? Uh, this pesticide is a bioweapon, and I hope all farmers, farm workers, gardeners, and landscapers who got cancer from their exposure to Roundup, exposure to Roundup are now motivated to sue Monsanto's ass. All right, sue their ass. And, you know, I've been pulling out poison ivy by the roots and trying to avoid exposure rather than using glyphosate on it for years now because of the research on this. It's really nasty stuff. And uh, finally, we have a really bad court decision. Well, these are actually technocrats at the EU. I don't know if it's exactly a court, but uh, they voted to renew the COVID digital passports, the vaccine passports. They voted 453 for and only 119 against. But they had received 385,000 messages from the public, virtually all of them, 100 percent against this. And they went ahead and did it. Isn't Western democracy wonderful? Really bad. But um, we do have to say that one fourth of the EU representatives um, voted in accord with the public wishes. So um, who knew that um, we could get as many as one fourth. But the irony is, is that one of the original purposes of the EU was to do away with passports so that members can travel freely to and from their countries without showing any kind of ID, the way we can go from New York to Delaware. So um, they're just really uh, ramping up and going backwards. And that was kind of the whole point of the EU is to usurp control um, from local um, uh, um, elected. They're unelected and unaccounted for, and we need to get back to elected and accounted for public officials. Okay, here, here. Well, finally, we'll move on to our, our last couple of crazy stories of the week. First crazy story is that Amazon's Alexa, which as if it wasn't creepy enough already, can now mimic dead relatives. And the example is, Alexa, can grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz? And the next it'll be, Alexa, can dead grandma read me Mommy got me vaxxed by a drag queen. Oh, brave new world that has such people in it and such AI in it, too. Well, actually, that uh, technology is nothing. Um, remember uh, Tupac Shakur, who died in 1996? In 2012 at Coachella, they had a life-size hologram of him singing on stage with Snoop Dogg Live. I mean, that's really scary. And that was like 10 years ago. So, you know, they've got stuff up their sleeve. But to me, the bigger issue is whether Alexa is going to put mediums out of business. <laughs> 
Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, well, and finally, we do have a really good heartwarming warming story to finish this broadcast with. Bert and Ernie, who contacted Monkeypox earlier in the week, are, are doing okay and on the road to recovery. So the CDC is urging residents to take extra precautions and refrain from sexual activity with Bert and Ernie in the meantime. Uh, Kat, uh, what can you say? It's the world we live in. Well, I think we need some fact checker help because Big Bird was in this story too. Um, I, I think it was saying he got smallpox, but that doesn't make sense. Wouldn't Big Bird have gotten the avian flu? <laughs> That's right, and he could be spreading it. So please, people, maintain at least six feet of distance from Big Bird and be sure to get your avian flu shots ASAP. And remember that pulling cloth over your face and your eyes and your ears, like the three monkeys, will protect you from avian flu, from Big Bird, from Bird and Ernie, from Monkey Box, and every other bad thing in the world. And you heard it here first on False Flag Weekly News. Your health is our number one concern. Thank you so much, Kat McGuire. Love doing the show with you. Yeah, you too, Kevin. Okay, see you all bye. next week, God willing. Till then, um, have a great week. Okay, bye.